and welcome to the 17th episode of Keen Minds. I am Jen, a.k.a. Takata Cycle. And I am Tessa from Criminally Sane. And we are going over uh, the 10th episode of the fourth season of NBC's The Blacklist, The Forecaster. And uh, touching on all the, the character development and the themes and everything about the episode today. Did you like it? Um, well, it was interesting because I was super hyped for this one. Like, I thought it was going to be something kind of like the stew maker with the really creepy and, and I feel, I felt like they geared it a lot creepier in the previews than it actually was. So it's not that I was disappointed in that it was a bad episode or that it was, I I think I was expecting something else than what I got. It was still an excellent episode though. Yeah, I, I, I was, um, I, I've learned that the, the, all the, the ads don't really tell the story. It's like, you just discounted, imagine that, you know, somebody just decided to throw it in to confuse you. Um, th- their job is just really to stir interest. It's not really to tell you anything about it. Uh, but I was, I was in general. I mean, I, I must say maybe it is because everything is coming with my theory and everything is working on with my theory. I'm just super excited and I love it. I, I think it was a very good episode, uh, different, and it was a welcome change because we've have had very heavy mythology, and it was nice to have one in which there was not much canon in it. See, I, I love the mythology. I love the mythology and the canon and moving forward. But th- I think they're setting up right now. And I love the way that they're doing it slowly but surely setting up redemption. And so, which mm-hmm. is obviously the spinoff bridge they've got coming up. Mm-hmm. I do like how they've dropped little bits and pieces throughout the last couple episodes to really set that, set that up nicely. I, I <clears throat> In general, <clears throat> I like better the idea that you're doing a, a setup for the spin-off um, in, in little drops as, a, as an organic thing instead of, oh, this is the event that made Tom go. I know that a lot of the tractors are just waiting for five for him to go. Um, just because he has redemption on the title and he is going there doesn't mean that he's the one who needs the redemption. He could be the vehicle of redemption from other people. Yeah, I mean, and it doesn't necessarily need to be redemption with Liz either. I mean, as far as I've seen, they've taken every step they can to really secure these two together. They're not... uh, Every place they could have weakened them, they've taken steps to make them stronger. Every single time. So it's, it's not something that, like you've said multiple times before, he's taking a job. He's not moving off to Timbuktu. Mm -hmm. And I think that is important because you you get two perspectives. You get the shipper's perspective in which, yes, a relationship has been settled and, and, and strengthened and, and, and that is, you know, that's what it is. And then there is a theory perspective in which, if you bother in looking at symbols and themes, you see that this is where that distorted mirror that I keep talking about with Katerina really comes into play. It is distorted because it is not an exact reflection of Katerina, because Liz is not an exact reflection of Red. Liz is capable of forgiving, 
and red is not. And I think that's where things start to diverge uh, because I do not think that we're going to find out that Katerina did not love red. But just because red has not been able to forgive her, you will never see the same ending that you have with Liz and Tom. Liz and Tom move past that because Liz was able to forgive and Tom was able to put her first and give her the truth she needs, as you say, multiple times. Yeah, and and I think that's really a key for Liz when it comes to Tom, when it comes to Red, when it comes to anybody, is that she needs honesty. She has so many things up in the air, so many questions about herself, especially with those gaps in her memory. Um, You know, she's had so many questions and so few answers thrown at her that she needs the people closest to her to be 110% honest. They need to do exactly what Tom did in this episode and say, I'm not very good about talking about this, but I'm going to tell you about what I've done. I'm going to tell you about the feelings I'm feeling. I'm going to tell you what my thought process is because you Mm -hmm. get to be here every step of the way so that she's not having to not only guess about all these outside questions, but the people that she has close to her, she doesn't have to worry about having to make a guess on them as well. It's Mm -hmm. it's a place where she can kind of relax and not feel like she always has to be on her guard to make sure she's not missing something. I think that that what a lot of people fail to see is imagine if, you know, everybody got memories, you know, feel here and there when you're less than four years old. I mean, I, I do have some of my own about that age, but mostly you rely on the pictures you see of yourself and your parents telling you, this is when you did this, this is when you did that other thing. And you kind of reconstruct your life like that, of the times that you have no direct memory. And and things look somewhat familiar. But what if suddenly somebody comes and tells you, no, you're not that girl in the picture. That's not you, you weren't that girl. I have no idea who you are, but that's not you. And suddenly your entire life seems like it's not what you think. And I, I, I don't understand uh, people who are so um, rough with Liz because that is the most unsettling thing that there is, is when your sense of self gets thoroughly taken away from you. And, and Liz had to have a, an idea that she was living a lie. Now she's reconstructing a life and she needs that everything is solid truth more than anybody else who more or less is able to live with a little bit of things in the air. Exactly, exactly. And so, I mean, I... For me, that that's... They are... As long as they continue along that path, I don't see an issue with him going to redemption, especially with it being a bridge and with crossovers. It's very easily done. It's actually going to make it easier for, for the whole Agnes thing. And it's... He's just taking a job. It's not as big of a yeah. deal as, as people, as some of the antis want it to be. I think it's more of a, they would rather it be a bigger deal than it is. It's a job. I mean, they they also have to be running out of money. Um, Tom is really good at what he does. And I, I find it funny that he just, he's injured to go here and, and help with the FBI. I think because... Tom is also getting to healthier choices to what he does well. 
He's a very good undercover agent. Doesn't have to be an undercover agent for evil. Because in truth, that's not what he was. I mean, he was, as even before he was, he was hired to find out who murdered someone. He was not, he was not a killer for hire. Although if you could hire him to kill someone, that's not who he was. He was a deep undercover agent. And I think that he's getting to, he liked that. He wanted, he's like, is there something I can do? He's like, can I go undercover for, for a little bit? Um, it's, he's liking the idea that he can do it and it's a profession and it's valid. It's, it's also a sense of validation of who he really is because to be an undercover agent, you gotta have a very specific set of abilities in, and I bet they're pretty rare. Uh, it's an actor on high stakes. I, I think that this last episode really gave us a very, they walked us through it and it was it's back to that showing rather than telling they walked us through first you see tom you know it's not that much to give up it's okay it's not that much to give up look i'm tossing these in the garbage can and all i'm thinking is dude this is how your fake identities get stolen <laughs> don't throw your fake passports away burn those things anyway tosses them away very symbolic very hopeful and for him it comes across very easily but then the moment that there's someone outside their apartment, the moment there's a danger there, his instinct is kicks in and he's down it looks like they're on the fourth floor from the the way mm -hmm. that the apartments are set up. So down four flights of stairs after this woman out the front door of the building and down the street until you see it click with him. He goes, "Holy crap, Agnes." And just turns in the middle of the street and comes racing back up. To his little girl that he realizes he just went into spy mode without even realizing it. And I think that's the moment that he's like, I've got to do something. This is a part of me. It's not something I can just wish away. I've got to do something. So the next step he takes is, what can I do to help with this case? I feel like I can do something to help. Babe, can I help yeah. you with this? She says, you are helping. And I think that's why he goes to her at the end, hands her the passport, and basically says... They're still here because I can't throw them away. I think that there is there is a point here that we're also going towards a very lovely parallel, and that we are going to be seeing. Um, if you remember when we talk about Kate Kaplan, the first thing is she kept saying that we got a little hint when she says she reminds me of Elizabeth looking at Agnes. So there, you know. Kate knew Elizabeth as a baby. Then he says, you place her in my arms and, and, and as a baby. So the, the only reasonable explanation for that is that Kate functioned as a nanny bodyguard for Liz, which makes perfect sense. When your parents are spies and apparently your mom goes traveling and your father is in all kind of stuff and your other father and, God knows how many other fathers they are, but they are apparently doing stuff. And you need a nanny. And I think we're gearing towards finding Agnes a nanny bodyguard. Yeah, it'll just Those be interesting are just, who they go to. I mean, the, the only person I see at this point, now that Kate is off the radar, because Kate would have been, you know, my first choice, but they yeah. nobody knows she's alive right now. 
Um, maybe Charlene. Maybe they'll bring Charlene back in for something like that because she made the comment at the at the funeral. I wish there was something we could do to help. And but yeah, I think you need a uh, you need a special op. And that that may be. And so that that'll be interesting because I I don't know. I can't see Dembe and Baz. <laughs> Like no, I think I think that you do need. Oh, I I think that you know that they would be fine. But uh, I mean, it's not like there is anybody. And if Demba knew anybody, he would probably would have said his granddaughter with one. Although I imagine that by now there is one, and that would be a very lovely way of bringing Ella and Isabella back. You know, if they have a nanny bodyguard, that would be lovely. You take care of one child, you can take care of two. Yeah, and that would be able to bring them back in and be able to find out more about his past. Oh, that would be lovely. Yeah. Hey, writers, please. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that that, that is, is, is a parallel we're going to be seeing. We're going to be getting a Mr. Kaplan for Agnes because there is no way that with spy parents and, and parents working in intelligence and law enforcement of that kind that you will not have um, a, a person who is able to take care of your child, not just from a child standpoint, but for safety too. Mm -hmm. So you basically need a former special op who is fine um, being bodyguard and nanny. Yeah. And I think they will definitely need that. And they just set it up. I loved that last scene. Um, kind of skipping skipping ahead to that last scene between the Keens. Mm, it was, I knew you would. Oh, I, I can't help myself. I really can't. There, there were so many parallels. I, my Tumblr, uh, we're recording this on Saturday. My Tumblr has been exploding with all the, the passport parallel <laughs> collections. Because you've got season two in the Vanessa Cruz episode where Tom comes to Liz in the, in the uh, motel that she's staying at and says... I need those passports. You don't understand. They're after me. I need these. And she goes, they're not just passports, Tom. You hid them under the floor in our home. They represent everything that I'm trying to forget. And then fast forward two seasons and 410 in this, this past week's episode. And you have Liz saying, these passports are exactly where they need to be. It's good you didn't throw them away. These people used to scare me, but now they don't. And you see that growth there. You have all this honesty and all this work that they've put into the relationship. And I think the point is that, one, Liz needed that honesty to be able... She needs to know who he is underneath the masks to not be afraid. She mm -hmm. knows that at the end of the day, her Tom is coming home to her. It's not going to be... David or Lucas or Kaya, it's going to be her Tom. Whether he was born under that name or not doesn't matter. That's who he is. That's, you know, that's the man she decided to marry again. And I think that's the key of what that was, was because she was so unnerved with the fact that he could be anybody. We saw it a little bit in 4A where Wrestler said, wow, he's really good. And she got that proud little smile on her face. And she was okay with him going undercover. I think that this scene will help move us into him going and working for Halcyon, where they're not necessarily working side by side on a case. So she's not seeing everything. She's not along for the ride on everything. She's going to have to trust him going undercover mm -hmm. as different people, 
that she doesn't know the full story on. She may not be allowed to know the full story on because of, of uh, you know, security reasons. I mean, the same way that, you know, he may, she may, may not be able to tell him everything about a case that she's working on. And so this, this scene really set it up for those two to be able to trust each other and for her to say, these were my issues with this before. I'm not afraid anymore. I know who you are. And I thought it was a very, very... Yeah. Um, it, a friend of mine and I were talking on Tumblr said it was the scene we didn't know we needed and now we can't do without. <laughs> it's also, we have a lovely parallel there when she's on the run and he tells her, I don't care what you did. I know who you are. And I think that that is a very, very important part because you also have Constantine telling Red the same thing. You remember what she did, not who she was. And that what you do versus who you are, it's a very, it's a theme, it's, it's emerging as a theme or as a sub-theme of identity in the blacklist. I agree, 100% there. And it's funny because you, especially for people who are not, uh, very prone to actually analyzing things. When you miss the scenes in which Tom is, you're basically missing a big chunk of the show because Tom is used for parallels a lot. And, and that is, you know, you're starting to see that writers have they continue to spread little seeds of, of, uh, of, of uh, themes and things are going to pick up, but they're starting to pick up dangling ends without you even noticing they're doing it. They're drawing a parallel and then another parallel. Before you know it, you're going to have a lovely bouquet of parallels. Um, but there, it's like every single episode, I bet a lot, the majority of people don't even see these parallels coming. I mean, we analyze them all the time, but I don't think a lot of people do. And when they do, it's going to come to them like, oh, my God, it's there. That's what they've been doing. Some people it will, some people it won't. <laughs> um, I mean, oh, it will hit them in the head. Some people skip entire scenes, so they will never understand how we got from point A to point C. So um, when you skip scenes, th this is not a show that you can really do that. I mean, I don't personally watch soap operas, but my, my parents do. And I've seen them go through a soap before in which they they will <laughs> quite literally fast forward through the majority of the episode. And I'm like, how do you know what's going on? They're like, eh, we just watch what we want of it. And that Blacklist isn't a show you can do that with. If you skip any scenes, if you even tune out a scene, even if it's oh, running God, in yeah. the background, you're going to miss huge things. I mean... Personally, I, I try to make sure to do at least one other full watch through before sitting down for the podcast. I can't do just one watch the night of the show and sit down and, and do an analyzation of the episode because there's too much that I got too excited and too focused on one scene. <laughs> and it, I'm still back on Tom singing into the into the mop to Agnes. I've missed, you know, whatever. <laughs> Until I go, oh, well, I didn't really... You know, oh, that came next. Oh, well, that happened next. Oh, okay, cool. That would have been nice to have thought of. That makes more sense why such and such happened. You know, five minutes later. And it's 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 so heavy because you have you have all this visual clues, 
they're there and if you don't really look at them, you if they will miss them. Then you have all this the the, the dialogue. Um, you got a bunch of parallels and imagery. It's almost like you have to do like three, four rewatches to get seventy percent of what is there. Yeah, I agree. And so, I mean, and granted, not everybody wants to put that much time into it, and that's cool. I mean, the the average viewer is not doing this. I mean, but (laughs) when when you're digging deep into the story, you know, that's, you've got to, the point is you have to pay attention to the the story on whole, not just the points of your favorites. If I were just watching the Tom scenes, I would be so lost. But... In the same, in the same, you know, way, if you're just watching the red scenes, you're lost. If you're just watching the Liz scenes, you're lost. Just the wrestler scenes, you're lost. I mean, you can't focus in on just one person and understand the story on whole. It's not the type of show that's possible to do that. No, that, that, I mean, you can do that when you're analyzing that particular character, but other than that, you just can't. Um, what did you thought about the idea that Tom is a bad daddy because he took off in Left Darkness? I I, I I think that he went into spy mode. I think that he he did it on instinct and that he took off running because his brain said, there's a threat. The threat is near it. my daughter. I have to neutralize the threat. Boom, there he goes. And as soon as his brain kicked in on, this is what you're doing, he turned around and ran back. And I think that... He, he sat there in that moment as he's cradling his little girl going, I have to take steps to make sure this never happens again. And that's why he went to his wife and said, this is an issue. And then he looked immediately. Did you notice when he picked her up, he looked at the, at the at basket where the passport had been thrown out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew that he was going to fish them out as soon as he threw them out. Yeah. I mean, and, and he went to Liz, he, he was talking to Liz first to see if he could go that route. And they're talking, and he finally pulls them out. And it's just, you can really follow the thought process there of, I realize what just happened. This is something that can never happen again. I can't just push this to the side and pretend it doesn't exist because it obviously does. And so Liz and I need to go with this together. And then that's what he does. So if he had hid it from her, if he had... Done something along those lines, I would say, yeah, that's a mistake. But people make mistakes. This this is a man that's still in the process of learning. I mean, I've seen a lot of new parents leaving their kids behind, and they're like, oh, she's not with you. Oh no, she's with you. I I don't have children of my own, but I I have definitely heard of that. Um, And so it's I think Tom. For a lot of people, is damned if you do, damned if you don't. If he hadn't gone running out, someone would have said, how dare you not go after the threat near Agnes? You're a horrible dad. What a waste of space. Why are you even focusing on this character? You know, insert rant of the day here. And so, it's it's really... No, I don't think he's a bad father. I think he's a man that is learning how to be a father. Yes, I think that everybody does, even if you haven't had the best father. It's not the same as being as, as uh, being the subject of a father as being a father yourself. The other thing that I found lovely in that scene with Lil, with Liz was the parallel. What other man do you know that 
is not comfortable sharing his emotions or his hand or anything about anything. Red. Yeah. Could you possibly be talking about Raymond Reddington? Yeah. Who plays man. everything yeah. close to the vest and that the audience goes, listen to Dembe, just tell her. Yep, exactly. So it's, it's like that is my bouquet of, of, um, of parallels that the writers are starting to pick here and there. Most of the time, well, they distract you with something else. Like it's like a magic act. They usually distract you and pick up another thing and you don't notice until suddenly they're going to show you a whole thing. Well, I've been saying for a long time that you start seeing the shift with Tom and Liz when Tom makes that that very obvious decision. He calls her and says, I have to tell you about Reddington. And they talk in the warehouse right before Red shot. That is a very pivotal moment in which he chooses... He chose her over the job when he came back from Dresden, yes, but he 100% chose her in that moment when he gave Red up. All the all the secrets he'd been keeping for Red, he gave them up to Liz and was 100% honest with her. And you start seeing the shift of honesty with him and her. Mm. And that's when you start seeing their relationship built back up. She goes to him and says, I need your help finding my mother, and they start moving in that direction. With Red, Red has not made that step yet i say yet i have faith that he will someday i trust red in my own well, i i think that there is things going on there that we have not and that's possible but the thing is liz does not know that and yes. I, i'm coming from at it looking of you I'm, I'm looking at it from liz's point of view in which she says this is the route, you know, this is what I need. I need 100% honesty. Like we were talking about earlier, she has all these questions. She needs the people closest to her to be honest with her. And until she either gets that from Red or somehow finds out why he can't give it to her, I think she's going to always have trouble and always keep him at, at arm's length. And I know people were very upset with the... Oh. Hmm. With with the whole bit about, you know, can I come see your new place? And she says, someday. And I, while part of me goes, you know, it's not like he doesn't know where you live, sweetheart. The other part of me goes, I get that. Because she's coming off of all of this. She understands it's not all his fault. She also understands that he's not being honest with her. She He could have come... He, he told her, Kirk is not your father, but he gave her nothing else. Absolutely nothing else. He gave her no reason to believe him other than take me at my word, even though I never give you the full truth. And so he just, he expects blind faith from her. And I don't blame her for having issues going with that blind faith, because I certainly wouldn't. You know, you need people mm. that ask you to trust them to be trustworthy. And yes, mm. as the audience, we see that Red often... Well, I mean, not just often. He always has Liz's best interest in mind, whether he goes about it right or wrong. He said early on that he would always do what he needed to to protect her. And I think she understands that. But she has a family to protect. She has Agnes. That It's not just a... I mean, she knows Red's never going to do anything to hurt Agnes. But she also this is a child that has that's going to be influenced as she want the fourth most wanted man in america this man that has no problem 
getting new cleaners by setting up two murders, you know, to get just to get new cleaners to hire new employees. Well, know. also to avenge a friend's death. And that's true. But but does she want a man like that around her child? I mean, these are questions that she has to answer, right? Either yes, they're no. I mean, she's a mother. These are decisions she has to make. And my guess is these are decisions that are on her table that Tom's going to go, you know how I feel about the man, your call. I have a very different take there. Um, probably because I feel more close to Red than I do to any other character. Um, I, I do understand where she's coming from, and I know what she's doing. She's doing, this is her version with Red, that what she did with Tom and gave her the big kiss and said this is goodbye. This is, this is that version of it. Um, but... I I find funny and very interesting and well done that she's starting to behave with Red in exactly the same way that she behaved with Sam. She knows that she owes Red her life, that Red came and exchanged herself, himself for her, then put himself at risk. Yet, you know, yes, I'm so grateful, but I'm going to behave like a spoiled kid. Um, and the same thing that she did with Sam. Oh, yes, that was my entire life. Oh, you're sick. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll get there to one of these days, yes. Um, it's nothing, you know. On June is always in a take about something or another. So I think that there is there is a dichotomy between the way she acts and the way she she's, she feels. And that is interesting to me. Um, and I always go back to the night of the fire in the way that she unconsciously know Red is her father. Maybe a father. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I tend to look at it from a point of view of, of Red, and I think that I see Red starting to unravel. I see very, very serious signs of Red unraveling, and I think that what Demba is seeing, I see too. Well, I think that he started when he thought Liz had died. We, yes. uh, well, actually, it started before we when lost she got Liz. Uh, yeah, because we had that scene in the woods. Uh, was it? I'm trying to remember what episode that was the from. Was it that the was Vamp? the Vamp. Okay, I think. Um, but with him singing the song and he was just off his rocker and I remember that was the first time Dembe looked at him and was like stop and Dembe just put his foot down on that one and we've seen it progress again and again and again through the series in which he just totally lost it when he thought Liz was dead which is understandable I'm not knocking Red at all I always feel like I have to really promise that I love Red dearly. I, like, the, the way that you are with Wrestler, I feel like I have to be that way with Red. <laughs> I swear I love the man. He's one of my favorites on the show. Um, but because he's one of my favorites, I'm always a little harder on him as well. Mm. And we've seen this, and I think that a lot, and me included, so I feel like a lot of us expected him to be better once he found out Liz was okay. We, we expected him to be better once he found out Liz was not dead. And once 
they got back on speaking terms. You know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. that was but, but... going to reset him. But psychologically speaking, it's not an on-off switch. I mean, he's already just... And then he's got the Kate thing, and he did it. He can't take it back. And he keeps shifting back and forth on Kate, where he, it's kind of like Liz, saying one thing, doing something else. He's saying Kate is irreplaceable, yet he's using her name to make deals, to manipulate people. He's replacing her with two cleaners, and it, he's just, like you said, he, he's kind of cracking right now. And they, I, I saw someone make the comment today on Tumblr that they're setting it up for Liz to be the one to save him. And mm-hmm. I think there's a good possibility. It may be what helps knit them back together. It may give her her answers and him answers and help really bring those two back together and put them more on the same page than they've ever been before, which would be fantastic. I think that, that and, and, you know, this is all tied back because, you, like it or not, most of us function from a theory um, some of us are more comfortable having uh, pieces in the air. Others need to feel that they have everything nailed down. But I, from where I'm seeing it, from my perspective, uh, my skewed perspective on my theory, it makes perfect sense. It started when she got pregnant because when Raymond Reddington's world became unhinged when Katerina got pregnant. Because before, Betty was just fun and games. Having a child change all that and the dangers that this child has always been because of who she is, I think I got him and he started revising all this. And, and, and also, I think when he had never forgot, forgiven or understood Katerina's reasons in doing what she did, whatever it is that she did. And I think in Kate May, he started to put herself himself on her shoes and understanding her reasons for it. And I, I think it's starting to crack that unforgiving stance. He may love the woman, but she betrayed him. Which I hope, because I'm, I'm really hoping for... Katarina to come back and so that will put it straight into his face does he have to forgive her does he have to be able to work with her and all of that and I think that he's gonna need Liz in there because Liz is the one who's going to guide him through this because for for red forgiveness is something that doesn't come naturally it's- Honesty doesn't come to Tom naturally. Being able to work through his feelings in a verbal fashion and, and share those with someone doesn't come naturally, yet he's learning the same way with, with Red. The forgiveness doesn't come, and he'll need Liz to... I like that. I, I can definitely get behind that parallel. <laughs> yeah. It's I, it's it's very interesting when you start, when we really analyze the blacklist, because they are so many things. And as you're, it's tempting to say, oh, I got all the pieces, but in a way what the writers are telling you it's like you have a puzzle. You can try fitting the, 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 the pieces together, and you've got to just try to fit the pieces by their shape, not what they look like. Well, I mean, a little bit of that is that puzzle. I, f- I found it really interesting, the puzzle that Red was working on, all mm-hmm. white. Oh, I there was no picture. Yes. There was no picture to it. it. I mean, that would drive me absolutely mad. I would never finish it. 
it would end up oh, in pieces. I would... I would throw it against the wall. It would be horrible. <laughs> I mean, just thinking about it makes me like like a kid, giddy with a kid. I spent oh. my entire childhood doing those. It shoots um, my anxiety up through the roof. No. <laughs> oh my god, no. Uh, I I have you know, thank God, I guess that's why I did them. Always an ability for finding patterns. Um, it, it's just a form that people have of certain intelligence that people are able to to pick up patterns like that. Um, and to me, it's like a compulsion. I can't let them go. That's what blacklist is what it is because it's a puzzle. And um, I thought it was very interesting. It's like fit the pieces and not the picture because the picture is deceiving. I like that. That's a good one. <laughs> I really like that one. So um, I found it a fascinating because this is the second time that we've seen red and puzzles. He has a puzzle in the apartment in Bethesda. Yeah. And Denver was working at it. And, they, you know, on top of that, they put the fulcrum, which is another puzzle. And Tom finds a, cube, a ruby cube in a drawer. And Aram is a puzzle solver. And he puts together the images of Vanessa Cruz. There's puzzles coming at us from the entire from everywhere, even the, the clue walls or puzzles. So the, the black lid is a puzzle, and that's what they are reminding us, I think. Yeah, it just, it was very interesting. And so what do you think about Dembe going to Liz? I have seen, I, I, I was joking earlier, I said I think I have all the right people blocked on Tumblr because I don't, I see a lot less hate than I used to. I know it's not because it's not there, but it's because it's not crossing my dash anymore. It's it's a self-preservation thing. Um, a sanity preservation thing. But I have heard that there has been some feedback on Dimbe calling it a betrayal. And I think that probably comes from the fact that, and I can't remember his name, but the, the first guy that got shot um, uh, in this episode. The, the, Inigo? No, Aniko's uh, underling. Um, I can't remember the name. I'm blanking on it. But Aniko's underling um, that, that shows up when he's out talking to Dembe in the hallway and Dembe's handing him the, the empty gun. Mm -hmm. um, and he says, could you do this? Could you kill your own boss? And in talking to him, could you betray him? And he's like, I don't know. And then you go, and I think it's so beautiful because I could... Personally, I could not see Dembe ever pulling the trigger on Raymond Reddington. I mean, this man raised him. He saved his life. I don't think he could ever do that. But he is going to move heaven and earth in any way he can to save this man. And he knows that he can't do it personally. So he goes to Liz, who he believes is the only person that can. And I, I personally did not see it as a betrayal. I saw it as an act of loyalty. I do too. I did. I do see it as an act of loyalty. But if I were looking from red perspective, that's betrayal. Oh, that's true. I mean, it's the exact same way. Dimbage watching what just happened to Kate, and even when when Kate came in and said, you know, I was trying to help her. Dimbage said, I'm not on your side on this one. So he understood why Red saw it as a betrayal. And so even knowing all that, watching. Red walk her out into the middle of nowhere and knowing that he shot her and left her for dead, came back, knowing all of that, he's still willing to take a step because he loves Raymond that much that he's going to go to the one person he thinks can actually help balance him. 
See, I saw Dembe wavering, loving him, being angry with him. Well, I think I, that's true, but that's, I mean, you can love someone and be really pissed. I, I like the way Dembe went about it. Um, because he went to Liz and, and later that Liz, you know, this closest to Dembe saying, listen, this is your father and he's unraveling. That is the next thing he could have done. And I think that push come to show he might actually do it. He might actually say that. Because I, I, I'm seeing in, in Dembe a, a um, you know, he's a moral man. And he was fine with Red killing Floriana Campo. He wasn't okay with Red killing uh, Gif Pearl. So that in itself tells you the the where the moral compass of Dembe is. Floriana Campo was taking kids like him and, and, and turned them into sexual slaves, and that had to be stopped. But Geff Pearl maybe wasn't that um, serious. Um, it's a fascinating character, and I'm hoping that we get to see, you know, bit more with this. So do you think Dembe will, will eventually tell this if, you know, hey, this man is your father? I think if push comes to shove, because, I mean, Red is well aware that Dembe is willing to toe that line, because Dembe was the one that encouraged her to go to the Bethesda uh, apartment, and Red makes the comment, he's like, no, Dembe wanted you to find things. <laughs> you know, I didn't, Dembe did. And so I think Red's aware of that. I also think that he, well, I don't think he would admit it, I, he uses fear to keep people in line, even the people he loves at times. I mean, and so would Dimbe do it? I think there's a possibility if it was that or losing Red to this abyss that he seems spiraling down. I, I think that Dimbe is a man that will put Red's life above it, you know, above that secret. And he's been pushing and pushing and pushing for Red to tell because I think he knows that it needs to come from Red. And it does. It mm. desperately needs to come from Red above anybody else because that's going to be, while I think that it could work another way, that's going to be the best way for it to work with Liz. She is going, while she may have a bad kickstart reaction at the beginning over it, the fa if Red comes to her and says this is it, and lays it on the table and trusts her with it, she's, in the long run, she'll have a better reaction to it, as her character's been been um, provided to us. Do you think that Liz should have questioned where Kaplan is before this? No. There was no reason for her. I mean, if you really think about him, how, how long has it been showtime? Probably maybe a couple of months? Maybe at the tops, probably even less than that. And there was plenty of time in there in which Kate would just disappear. There and were so that's, almost that's, like seasons. I think she had, I think Liz, while she is, she knows that Red is a dangerous man. And I think that that goes into a lot of equations with her. I think on the other hand, she does trust him a great deal. And she wants to think the best of him. She, it never crossed her mind 
that, I mean, because you see the shock there. It never crosses her mind. She thinks that or that uh, Kate's been ostracized somewhere, that she's, you know, been sent off to the ends of the earth rather than dead. Like, yeah. it never yeah. crossed her mind that Red would have put a bullet in her. Yeah, I, I, I agree there. I think that, that there was nothing for Liz. There was, there was no way. Uh, Kate is gone for six, seven, ten episodes. Um, and, and Liz has no memories of, of Kate as a child. You know, it would be very different if she started to get memories from Kate and start thinking, wait a minute, I, this woman kind of like triggers something in me. Um, so I, I don't think that that would be a, a concern. I, I did find it interesting that she would trust Kate to help her escape. And, and in that, I have to say something. I saw another parallel there. How many other characters have you seen on the show that have facilitated a child escaping from their parents and have lived none. The Stoomaker did that. Oops. Kate did that. Not a good idea. Well, Red still lives. He's still alive. Mm -hmm. But it was his child. Yeah. It's... Or I, I am right there with you on it. I feel like not, you know, between what I said about the fact that, you know, Kate's just, she goes for long lengths of time, and the fact that there just hasn't been a lot of time. I mean, when Kate first disappeared, Agnes was still gone. And so, Liz was focused on Agnes. If Tom thought about it, I mean, it probably crossed his mind, where's Kaplan been, you know? But it's really not something that would be in the forefront of his thought process, because he's he, not... He's, you know, he's not an insider in into Red. I mean, And that he... was something very... Uh, that was something very interesting, that what you just said, not an insider in, into that. He works with that group sometimes, but I thought the scene where Dembe shows up and Liz invites him in and he's basically is like, no, this is a conversation strictly between us and shuts Tom out of it. I thought it was very interesting. Why? That it was something that, I mean, because Dembe has to know that there's a good possibility Liz is about to walk in and tell her husband what, what happened, you know? But um, it's not his turn to confide in, in Tom. Yeah. This is between, he's, he's basically telling a daughter about her father. And even, you know, you think about it, even when you may get along very well with your in-laws, if it's something about your parent, that is something that is up to you to take, to tell it to your spouse, not the mm -hmm. person telling it. And I thought it was appropriate. Oh, I thought, I thought was... so, too. I wasn't against that at all. And I, I think it was also respectful to Red that even though he was going to, to Liz with the information, he knows that Red is not Tom's biggest fan. That's not something that he needs to be sharing with Tom Keen. Mm -mm. You know, if he trusts Tom, if he's ambiguous towards Tom, I, I sway back and forth on my thoughts on what Dembe feels about Tom. Um, but regardless, it wasn't... 
his place, you know, you can argue back and forth if it was his place to go to Liz, which I liked very well, obviously, but I thought it was very interesting how he did that, and, and I think that it was very showing that he was careful in how he was approaching this. This was not something he's just doing on a whim. He, he is approaching this as carefully and as respectfully as he can while still protecting the man that raised him. Well, so besides Cade, that seems to be the you know one of the of the of the drivers of Red's upheaval. What else do you think is driving Red towards this state? It, it could be things that we haven't seen yet. The fact that the whole bit with Katarina has been shoved in his face, whether he knows she's alive or not, if she is, you know. I, that, that could be an unseen factor. I think that, like you said earlier, there are a lot of puzzle pieces we don't know yet. So I think there are probably a lot of things working in the background that we're not aware of yet that are influencing him, that are pushing him to these extremes, that he's trying to balance out. And I, is it this coming week or the week after that he's supposedly bringing Tom in and, as an undercover in his Next, own... This in his own operation. So something is going on in the background that he feels like he's losing control. Which, Red is a dangerous man when he loses control. When he feels control. Yeah, like control. instead of Scotty, you know? Mm. It's a dangerous thing when a woman as dangerous, as, as ruthless as Scotty is is scared. I, I do think that, that Red started a long process when, first when he thought, when he realized that Liz was pregnant, that the story was repeating itself that he was unable to protect her. She was out. Her being known as Masha Rostova was out there. They were, they were going to come for her. And so far, we've only seen one of them coming for her. So you know that's not going to stop. There's more coming. Uh, and his all issues with Katerina, this relationship with Tom is forcing him to look at things in a, in a different way. Should I have understood better? Um, because he kept telling Liz at the beginning that Katerina died of weakness and shame. That was that was the thing that she grew up with. And from there on, well, I don't know how or why she disappeared. That tells me that he started to evaluate. At first he thought, oh, you know, she just couldn't cope. And she just left me with this. As it says in Kip May, the moment you walk into the ocean, you made it my problem. Then he, as they're on the run, as he sees Liz, he, he's more Liz as a blonde, Liz changing appearances. It's all becoming confusing and painful for him. And we see that explosion finally in the wedding when he's like, don't marry him. And we know this is not about Tom. This is not what is going on. So this is about something else. This is about Katerina. And I think he made that mistake with Katerina, trusting her again. And she disappointed him. And I think that even if she's alive and Red knows where she is, he had never forgiven her. Oh, I don't think he has. I don't think, I, I think like we were talking about earlier in the podcast that, it's really going to take Liz teaching him how to forgive. It's going to be a, an example of Liz Liz went through this process and and it came out well. I I'm not sure I've ever shipped 
a pair as hard as I ship Katarina in red <laughs> that I haven't actually seen on screen yet. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm all aboard this ship personally. I really want to see that rebuilt and struggled through, and I and red finding healing in that because he he called Liz. He didn't call her his home. He said, you're my way home. Mm. And I think that that's going to be huge someday. That she she is the one that will teach him how to find that peace. Yeah. Because I, when I, you know my theory about Kate May that the man he spares is not Tom. is himself. The criminal spare the father. Because... Killing the father would have been a mortal sin. Killing oneself is a mortal sin. And, and we I know think... there was a gun in his mouth that that Kirk talked about. Yes, I I think there was an enormous uh, despair that he felt enough that he even contemplated leaving his little girl behind and killing himself, and he didn't because she was the only thing. He was the only thing she had. Interesting. I, uh, I'm looking forward to how all this is going to come when, you know, all these little things that they've been picking up without us noticing because they keep us occupied. The left hand is doing something, the right hand is picking up the, uh, the little threads here and there. Um, it's going to be very interesting. Um, do you think that uh, you want to go into the task force? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the task force really didn't have just any huge scenes, but there were some really, there were still some that really stuck out to me. Um, mm. Just for a fun one. <laughs> yeah, everybody loves a bad, uh, what was the name? Dash? Oh. Um, a rabbit? Yeah, some Dash might have been it. Um, I'm blanking, but it was just, <laughs> I, I saw someone post something that said that, the, the the whole point of it was for wrestler's face and the way and, and proving that Aram really is a living cinnamon roll. <laughs> it just how offended he got over that was just kind of precious. And wrestler looking at him like, I don't even. Are you for real? I don't have a response to this. And my mother taught me if I can't say anything nice, not to say anything. So I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut. <laughs> you know? I'm just thinking of, of whoever was moving that we have born that must have had a, you know, because chances are it's going to be somebody is going to have, you know, every parent had told their child, oh, I'm so sorry, the, the fish, the, the rabbit, the cat, uh, the rooster uh, just left. Um, <laughs> so somebody was saying. <laughs> um, What's worse, abandonment or death? I mean, <laughs> life of a but child it's something that, that that you know parents do so i thought it was very funny that that aram was so taken by that it apparently affected his life moving forward <laughs> so, that i loved was, that scene and it, that it took him to be in college before uh you know he could actually even think that maybe that's how much he trusts the world that he had it didn't occur to him like Wait a minute, how come all my pets leave? I'm a horrible person, my pets keep running away. <laughs> Precious man. Oh my gosh. So there was that, which was 
fantastic. Utterly fantastic. Um, It was good to see. I mean, like, we obviously knew she was going to be there because we'd seen behind-the-scene photos and such. But Samar obviously made her choice because last week Cooper, Cooper said, you know, go home, get some sleep. And if, if you choose us as the side you're loyal to, I'll see you in the morning. And she was back. So she obviously did make that choice that the task force is where her loyalties lie, at least today. Mm-hmm. At least today. Yeah, Samar is a very interesting character. I'm, I'm looking forward um, to uh, see what what they do with her. Uh, how about um, wrestler uh, finally shooting something instead of the... Uh, of the um, drone that he didn't shoot last week. Drone. Yeah. Well, okay, so saving the best for last, because I, w- I kid you not, the roomie and I cheered his name in unison when that happened. Because I saw him taking the shot, and I'm like, oh, sharpshooter. And he is. He's, he's yes. been noted in the dossier. I believe the dossier yeah. noted him as a shop- yeah. sharpshooter. And then a cu- one or two times in the show, and we've seen it as well. I mean, when he took that shot with Samar, and I I feel yes. like there was one or two other times. that I mean, and obviously he's just made good shots. The man is a talented marksman. Yes. And so it was great. Wrestler didn't have a whole lot in the episode, but he's shown in all of his, his sharpshooting glory in that moment. And I was so excited for it. It just made me absurdly excited yeah it was it was actually a very balanced episode you you almost i would say that you would have equal time for about everybody nobody had there was a lot of red because red was running his side thing with avenging the death of his friend and finding himself a cleaner and red is always complicated he never does one thing for a reason he needed to avenge his his friend's death that's another instance in which he either buys or rents an apartment with an exclusive need to uh, avenge a death there or a harm there. He did it with Josephine. He probably did it in more than one occasion. Well, he, out. It was a month-to-month lease is what the lady said. Mm-hmm. And so he was renting it out. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like... The team worked together a lot, which was nice, and that's something I very much enjoy with the show. That we've got Liz back as a as an agent, and so we've got the team working together. And so, when I said there wasn't a lot of wrestler, it's there wasn't a lot of standalone moments. Um, but you had a Rom out in the field. You had Samar, Liz, and and wrestler all working the case with a Rom in the field. It was. It was nice. It was good to see that and good to see them because they're going to have to find that groove to get the three of them working well because mm-hmm. Wrestler and Samar work well in the field together. Wrestler and Liz worked well together. And I'm hoping that they'll take the opportunity to really smooth out the Liz and Samar relationship because so far it seems like Samar is kind of eased up on it. She's not just overtly aggressive about it, but... It'd be nice to have an episode like they did in season two when she came in when Liz didn't trust her and they had that moment in which Liz risked her life to save Samar that kind of put them on track. I, I'm hoping we'll get another episode here soon that, that something will happen to put them on track so that all three of them will be able to work well together and they'll be able to balance that out. Yeah, I like that they always leave you know themselves something to pick up 
because obviously we're not getting the scene with with uh, Cooper talking with Liz, because you know the moment he goes into you know it's nice to have you back and the whole thing and he's uh, berating Red for doing all this. It's obvious that we're not getting that that they're past that and he understood and he doesn't need anymore. Um, you know maybe people faking their death to get away from Red is something that makes perfect sense to him. Um, yeah. Um, uh, I, I wanted to, to, um, uh, there was something I needed to, to, uh, touch because it just, I, I was impressed. How many passports does Tom Keen has? I mean, the man is at a, like, career, like you, I mean, he burned like 10 of them, uh, in, uh, in Vanessa Cruz. And now he's, um, yeah. No, before, yeah, Vanessa Cruz. Uh, the, and, the longevity. The, it was yes. longevity project. The longevity, uh, yes. He burned all of those, and he, then he got the ones from Liz, and now he has all of this that must have been in some, which is what we always said. He has to have had money, and he has to have had passports, just not accessible when they left him with no passports and no money. Mm-hmm. So obviously... It's, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I, 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 besides, how can you throw in the garbage Eugene Pavlenko? I love Pavlenko. I want him back. He was such a fun character. Well, I, I think that one may be burned now. That's really sad for me, too, though. Um, because, I mean, he, the, the, the guys at the embassy spotted him as he got into the car. I mean, it was he was on camera, he was all over the place there. I'm pretty sure Eugene Pavlenko's been burned. But Unless still, you want sure somebody who's going to get arrested immediately, which is what Eugene was. So Eugene is always the guy to go when you want to get arrested. <laughs> you know, Why are you going with Eugene? Because I need to be behind bars, sorry. <laughs> yep, I need myself arrested. I know where we go. And remember that we have seen also... Uh, Red with a fake passport and with a bunch of driver's licenses. So, and we saw Vanessa Cruz with all her evidence and the whole thing. So th- there's, they're building a lot of this. And I'm beginning to get this, this parallels between the way Red reacts and the way the major reacted to starting me to think, and I've always thought Red is running an undercover mission. Um, but I'm beginning to really consider that before the end of the Cold War, the major was uh, training uh, U.S. or maybe just simply West Western agents undercover. I haven't read it yet, but I did see, I, I just saw the, the title for it. Uh, Blacklister214 had a post on Tumblr, uh, said something about, could it be possible that the major trained red? And I have not read it yet, I just haven't had time mm-hmm. um, with my... But- like surplus of gifts that I've been making, but it's it's an interesting thought because I mean there's obviously a history there, and they call the man the major for a reason. He was probably military. It depends on what branch. A lot of the branches do correspond, especially in the intelligence community. It almost doesn't matter sometimes what branch yeah. you're in. You're working with various other levels of the intelligence community. And the, the, one of the interesting things is once you you look, and that's why the, the 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 blank puzzle is so interesting, is because sometimes you get the picture, you get misled by the picture, and you have to look at the shape of the pieces. And if you look at the shape of the pieces, 
you see Tom Keen, a man who can be Reggie, who can be Eugene, who can be Tom Keen, who can be, who, you know, whoever, it, the waiter, and uh, you know, one, and he's one thing, and then he's another thing, and he transforms, and he's, he's all these characters that we've seen him create and become. And what other character have we seen transform and become many things and done them to perfection? Red. We just tend to think that that already oh, is like that. Red do that, but they can't be performance in, in Madeline Pratt. The masterful um, Bloody Christmas House, the um, the performance with the officer, the guy ordering the the, the, the donuts and the and the hot dogs, uh, all these performances that he goes into and become basically a different person. And we tend to not look at it because we, oh, this is red. But if you really take the picture away and look at the pieces, you see a man skilled at becoming someone else as well. Maybe even the person that we think is red, it's not. You're speechless. <laughs> I, I'm turning something over in my head. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, there's been there's been theory running for a while that Raymond Reddington is not really Raymond Reddington. I, I am personally not on board with that. I felt like they handled that with the the, the episode with, with fake red bread. Um, no, 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 I, I feel like they handled that theory. Yeah, red is not taking the personality of someone else. My my thing is the red that we know might be. And then, because sometimes you can be undercover with that, even with your with your name. You just who you are is not just your name. You know, like the criminal may be an undercover. You know, and if his name is really not Raymond Reddington, then he assumed Raymond Reddington before going into the Naval Academy. Well, with with his conversation about being a sin eater and just various things that have popped up, I really think that. Red became what he is today out of necessity. That something happened and that whether it was to protect someone else, which is very likely being a sin eater, um, or, or what have you, he was he was situated into where he is and he found out he's really good at it. You know, he just shifted and when did when does the undercover become your reality i mean for tom he was undercover for over two years because he let's see he worked for red for two years and then he was with liz for at least for over two years nearly three by the time it all came out so i mean and at that point you kind of got the question of is tom keen the cover or was J did he become what he was with Jacob Phelps because that's what he needed to do to survive and so he became what the major wanted him to be so that he could be the top agent there he could survive he could he had a very twisted little family and it filled a need for him that he needed and so when you become someone for so long where is that blurred line between the cover and reality. You have to imagine that these people, Red, Tom, other people, that they pick up traits, that they, pieces of themselves at their core become part of the covers and part of the covers also become them. Mm -hmm. And so for better or for worse, that doesn't always have to be a negative thing. Tom learned to love someone under the, 
the guise of Tom Keen, and that's one reason he's chosen to remain under that name is because that's, as Ryan mm-hmm. said in, a, in an interview once, he said that's the the place where he's felt most connected. I don't remember verbatim what the what the phrase was, but mm-hmm. where he felt most connected was being Tom Keen, so he stuck with that name because Jacob Phelps honestly was just an empty mm-hmm. bucket, you know, a, a mask to wear. It was who he was in between being someone else. It's the name that he thought he was born under, and so he kept it, and so a few people called him that. But otherwise, he spent all of his time being someone else. There wasn't a whole lot to him there. I agree. I think that that, that might be the case with Red, that, you know, you, you can't you can really be Raymond Reddington and become something else as another cover, keeping your name. Your name is not the entire thing the, of your identity. But it will be very interesting to see, you know, this this season expand, especially as they go into redemption. Because I also have the feeling that Scotty Hargrave is someone, and certainly Howard, that have a lot of things to say about Red. So I agree. We might get some of those as we go along in part of the crossover. It might be also that. Especially if my theory is true that they all knew each other back when when Liz and Tom were kids. You know, there's going to be a lot of connections there. A lot of twists and turns. A lot of tangled tangled threads there. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that wraps us up for this week. Uh, You can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. And please feel free to leave us any feedback that you'd like on Facebook on tumblr and on twitter we love feedback we love hearing from you and hey you know um join us on those those different uh mediums and we'll chat we we're around quite a bit (laughs) so until next time until next time bye-bye bye